Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Um, I'm Jeremiah. RJ. Here with my mans, RJ. Mr. Ronald, we are back with another episode of the Sprint Vision Podcast. It's been a little bit. I don't remember what the last episode was about free NBA free agency. And Prob- I think it's something like that. But we, but a lot of things have happened since then. Yeah. And that's, you know, we let the things stack so we can talk about them. We've got a great episode for you guys today. Because unlike when we did the last episode, there's actually been a lot of stuff like actually going on. And I think we're in the prime of sports right now. Because Major League Baseball is in their playoffs. Um, the NFL season has already started, and NBA preseason is going. And the NHL preseason, they're both and, going And the on. NHL preseason is going, yeah. yep, yep. You know, I need to add uh, Major League Baseball, the Mariners, to the sprints, because <laughs> I want to talk about that a little bit. Oh, yeah, you talk about them. Uh, but, yeah, so we're just going to dive right in, because I had to break this up a couple of different ways. I was like, all right, we got to talk about the NFL and the NBA, and then we're get, we got a little segue or segment at the back at the back end called, you know, sprints. You know, this is a Sprint Vision podcast. Me and Ronald ran tons and tons of track in our life. So what sprints is, is basically just a bunch of topics that is going on in the sports world right now. We're going to give some quick thoughts on that. So first thing, you know, we're going to talk about the NFL. And uh, first note I have on here is, what are your takeaways for the season so far? From the seasons or just our teams? Uh, the, The season. Okay, takeaways for the season. Okay, so far, I think the, I think just for the NFL season so far, um, I think that it's been competitive. There, there really hasn't been a team set in stone better than anyone else. I mean, the undefeated teams, I don't think they really should be undefeated. I mean, I think they're flukes. Mm-hmm. And then you have the winless teams. I mean, some of them should be winless, but then there's others that are like, why are you winless? Or the teams that just have one win and they're like, I don't know how you only win one game. I mean, don't isn't it, it usually starts out like that though? Yeah, it usually does, but that's just what I like about the NFL. There's really isn't no parity. No, not really. I remember one season, like the Falcons started out eight and zero, and then they finished the season eight and eight. So it's like that team has always been a point of reference for me. I'm like, all right, we can't really take the season st- uh, seriously until like week nine. Like, I mean, I mean, you got the you got the um, you got the um, Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers started mm-hmm. out hot. Then lost to the Rams. The Rams started out hot, even beat the Bucks. Then they lost to the Cardinals. The Cardinals, and I bet, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later. They do look really good, but I could see, I, I, I don't know how they, I don't know. So like, you got that. You got the Packers, who normally are very good. They got destroyed week one, and then they move, and they start moving back up as they should. And then, and then you got the Dallas Cowboys looking. Looking like they haven't missed the beat when it comes with how good they are. I think I think the Cowboys are a good team with Dak coming back. See, um, they've had a little bit of turnover lately that we'll talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do, they do, they do. Um, the and then you have the um, Super Bowl runner-ups, the Chiefs. Chiefs I, are struggling. They're struggling. Yeah, that they're struggling. They're last in their they're last in their division. They're last. I don't know if they. Uh... Are they two and two? I don't. They're two and two. They, okay, I was two gonna say no, not one and three. Yeah, they're two and two. They're See, like, but you know they'll figure it out though. That team is just that they've been running the same kind of like offense for the last three years. Then now teams are game planning for it. But when you've got Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, they can switch the whole game plan and just do something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then um, and then you got and then you got the Steelers who are struggling. That's not surprising. 
that you, you had a point about that. But yeah, you have the Steelers that are struggling, um, and um, that's. I think I mentioned all the teams that I personally thought would be at least decently good that yeah. are struggling. I mean, I mean, Colts too. The Colts are struggling also. That one is. Those two are not so surprising to me because, you know. Obviously, Carson Wentz is an upgrade over Phillip Rivers, but the number one question with him has been health, and you know he hasn't really been healthy. Yeah. How do you? I've never heard of somebody spraining both ankles at the same time. Yeah, I don't know either. This both man. ankles, both ankles. But I do know <laughs> Philly fans are really hoping he plays because um, that draft pick goes up to I think a second or a first or something like that if he plays a certain amount of snaps. So. Oh, that's true. So, so Philly fans that's are like, hoping um, he stays healthy. What's the team that traded away Yannick Ngakwe and like the the team that got him voted him into the Pro Bowl so that the uh the pick could be better? I think I think is the Jags fans that 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 traded him to Minnesota. Okay, Because yeah. later that year he did get traded to Baltimore. He got but, he but they but the Jaguars fans was campaigning to get Yannick Ngakwe voted into the Pro Bowl so they could get a better pick out of the trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's not super surprising to me. And the Steelers, you know, I, I, speaking of the Jags, I think about Blake Bortles that year where um, the Jaguars were really, really good. You could have an average quarterback and, a, and an elite defense and still be really, really good. But Big Ben is not even average right now. He's below average as heck. And that defense is not going to save them. And the thing is with the Steelers, you know, you can say Big Ben is below average. I don't like their backups. I don't like their backups. You Mason. You I don't, tr- like, I don't trust- like Mason Rudolph. Well, I don't trust Mason Rudolph. No, not him. But- and I don't trust Dwayne Haskins. Okay, well, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm asking is, do you trust Big Ben more than Dwayne Haskins? Yes. Really? I do. You you don't think that in his time in Phil in Phil, you don't think in his time in Pittsburgh he's grown a little bit from what I've seen in the preseason he's he looks like he still has a lot of work to do granted granted See, talent talent wise Dwayne Haskins is better yes but just being able to move an offense down the field and score mm-hmm. I, I I get that it's not happening with Big Ben. I think Big Ben has is able to do that more than Dwayne Haskins. And plus, Dwayne Haskins is the third string. So even if even if you want to bench Big Ben, it's gonna be Mason Rudolph. Oh, that's a rough situation, especially because that team they're built very very well. Just is I find it so funny in the NFL. Some like teams just can't seem to push their quarterback out the door, like Eli Manning. Like, situation. Yeah. Like, that defense is elite. They use the first-round pick on a running back, a talented running back, and they always have talented running backs. That receiving core is respectable. Mm-hmm. They just... They would be winning games right now if they d- even had a competent backup. You know? Yeah, yeah. A yeah. competent backup that could take Big Ben out the seat. And plus, you gotta also look at this. Um, the Ravens are always gonna be good. I mean, they beat the Chiefs. Right. They're going to be good, and they had a surprising loss against the Las Vegas, which is another team that's surprisingly really good this year. Yeah. Um, and then you got the Browns, who I thought was going to always be competitive. I think they lost a game. I don't remember who they lost to. They lost to the Chiefs. Oh, yeah, it was the Chiefs they lost to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a close game against the Chiefs, too. And um, it's, and then you got those two teams are at the top of the division. And then, and the Bengals and then the Bengals are playing some good ball right now. It's three and one, like the Browns and the Ravens. Yeah. They're playing some really good football. I mean, see, they've been building that. That's I know they were horrible last year, but they started that in free agency last year. 
Mm-hmm. They went and got Trey Waynes. They went and got uh, somebody else on the defensive line. Trey Henderson. And Trey they Henderson. Henderson. Who, who they spent really money. Good. They mm-hmm. Didn't they get Von Bell too? I think they did get Von Bell. They spent money in free agency last year. But mm-hmm. then a lot of them got hurt and Joe Burrow stopped, wasn't able to play. And that just goes to show you in the NFL that if you have a competent, if you have a good quarterback or a quarterback with a lot of upside and you surround him with talent, skill positions, the rest will kind of figure itself out. That offensive line still looks like a problem, but they are definitely still moving the ball. They're making it work. From what I've seen from Bengals fans on Twitter, they're, when people are screaming, they should have gotten that offensive lineman instead of Jamar Chase. It would have been, what, Penny Swoop? Yeah, Penny Swoop over Jamar Chase. First of all, Penny Swoop's struggling right now. A little and bit. Two, and two, if you, hear, if you talk to Bengals fans, they will tell you their problem isn't tackle. The problem is guards. Interior linemen. Okay. It was the interior linemen that missed the block that, that got Joe Burrow hurt. And they weren't, they weren't, the first round wasn't deep with guards this yeah, year. Yeah, and the first round wasn't really that deep. Elijah Vera Tucker, Rayshon Slater, uh, Penny Sewell, and the other guy, Christian Barmore, whatever, they're all tackles. They're all tackles. I think, I think T- Tucker can play guard, but I'm pretty sure he's playing tackle in Minnesota. That's a good point, though. That is a good point, though. And plus, I, listen, I'm, I'm a way bigger fan of getting a generational type receiver over a generational type offensive line because. You can you can figure out offensive line on some real like Madden type stuff. If your offensive line, and this is ironic because I'm a Seahawks fan, but if your offensive line is struggling that bad, you can wipe your entire offensive line and go get five new offensive line in the seventh or first round and and just get better. Jamar I, Chase is my rookie of the year. He should be. He's playing like it. Mm-hmm. And plus, Jamar Chase and uh, Joe Burrow had that connection. Yeah, they and did it have obviously shows. You see them. They, the throws that Joe Burrow is throwing to Jamar Chase in football, in uh, NFL Sundays, it doesn't even look like playbook throws. It just looks like, oh, I know Jamar is going to get to that spot, so I that's where I'm going to put it. it. Yeah, yeah like it don't even – you're not telling me when Jamar caught that back shoulder and then turned around and ran it for a touchdown. You're not telling me that was the playbook. That was Joe Burrow saying, I know Jamar is going to hit that spot because we've done that before in college. And you would think that um, Tua – and Waddle will have that same connection. You would think. You would think, but two has been struggling, and now he's hurt. Two has been struggling. We'll we'll get to it. We'll get yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we talked about takeaways from the NFL season. What are takeaways from your team? You, I, we can. I'll let you go first, cause, cause I'm hurting. All right, all right. <laughs> um, we gotta actually keep this. We gotta keep. Since we have a long top podcast, we can't be talking a lot because I can go on and on and on about my. Um, That's true. About things about Washington, but um, I will start with this. Defense, you're terrible. Oh no! You're a t- you're playing horrible. You're horrible. I do not like seeing you guys playing on Sundays. <laughs> you, we have allowed a score on the opening drive every game so far. All has been touchdowns except the last game against the Falcons, which was a field goal. You guys cannot cover. You guys cannot stop the run. You cannot stop the pass. You can't pass rush. You can't do anything right now. I have no idea what's going on. No um, idea. Cause I, what? When when I see the defense, and trust me, I'll get to offense special teams in a bit. It just mostly, my takeaway is mostly about defense right now. Because they had that expectations. And right. they've been underachieving. Expectations. When I, see, when I see the defense go, I see a defensive line that doesn't play like a unit. They play like individuals. 
because you got that. There's a lot of times where they're always trying to go for the quarterback, just rushing, rushing, rushing. And if you're playing a running quarterback, they can't keep their contain. I've seen plenty mm. of times where Chase Young and Montez Sweat lose contain, mm. and I'm seeing and I'm seeing uh, Dan, Daniel Daniel Jones and Josh Allen running all over them. Mm-mm. And and, like and, and the only reason and, and if Matt Ryan was a running quarterback, he would have done the same thing. Um, and then and, and then um, and then even when they do well, they can't get pressure with four because you got you got um, um you, you got um, the quarterback for the Chargers name I can't name Justin, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. Justin, you got Justin Herbert and you got Matt Ryan. They're two ones that have done it. They have very very quick quick releases, very quick. Yeah, that's true. So, so at that point, I can't really blame their top, their front four for not getting at them because they're just, they're getting it and tossing it immediately. You know who to blame then. And then at that point, and then and then you also got Josh Allen, who is a who got MVP votes. Votes. So like, I'm not surprised he destroyed us. Actually, I I, I thought I had I had Buffalo beating my team anyway. And uh, and then at that point. Let's go to the weakest unit of them all, <laughs> linebackers. <laughs> okay, y'all, y'all spent your first round pick on that linebacker. Yeah, I wish we got Jeremiah Wusukomoa because he's been balling. But we got Jamin Davis, who has potential. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and say that he's not. He's bad. He has potential, but he's 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 playing like a rookie. And then you got Cole Holcomb, who um, you, you're a leader. You're a good person. You're all right. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then I hate to say this, but I think the best thing that happened to our defense was John Bossett getting hurt. Oh no! Why is he getting? I don't know why he kept getting PT. He is terrible. He cannot pass. He cannot pass. He cannot cover. Worth anything. I mean, he might be a good. I think he can be a good coach because I think the reason why he goes on, he keeps playing, is because he knows how to get people in position. Yeah. But once the play starts. He's a liability. Yeah, I, like I, I, there's plenty of times I'm seeing John Bosick on the field not doing anything. <laughs> Invisible. Yes, it's, it, but the fact that he's hurt also worries me because then we because we don't really have depth there then there. So mm-hmm. whoever replaces him, I know Jamin Davis is gonna get more PT, but there's gonna be someone moving up, some and playing and I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully they attack linebacker more in free agency next year. And then you got our our defensive backs, who are underachieving. Kendall Fuller, William Jackson, Benjamin Saint. Just what are you guys doing? Oh I was like when they let when they let Ronald Darby leave and they picked up William Jackson. I was like, that's an upgrade. I was really expecting this defense to be number one. And you know what? That is an upgrade. But they're not playing to his strengths. They're not playing to William Jackson's strengths. And that's on Jack Del Rio, which I'll get into in a second. Oh man. Um you've heard that man's name a couple of times. <laughs> um so so Washington plays a lot of zone mm-hmm. and William Jackson is a more of a man to man corner. Okay. So so that's why he's struggling. And even then he's get, he gets burned. Kendall Fuller, I thought he would play his best football cuz he played really well last year in the outside corner and he's a slot guy. Yeah. So if they can put him back in the slot, he's going to be good. He's getting burned too. Oh no! And then and then Benjamin St. Jude, he's a rookie, so I'm not gonna freak out about that. And then our safeties, um, Cam Curl, you're playing awesome. You're playing awesome. I have no I have no complaints Extremely about you. Extremely underrated. Yeah, Landon Collins, 
I know you're just coming back from Achilles injury, but you have a liability too. <laughs> yeah. Um, he. I compare Landon Collins to your guy. Yeah. Um, um Adams, Jamal Adams. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Play in the box. Don't cover. Yeah. And and, and then after that, it's. Yeah, that defense needs a lot of help, and it honestly starts with coaching. I think Jack Del Rio is not doing a very good job of coaching. He was uh, the same guy as last year, though, right? He's the same guy as last year. I just think that I just think that he's not doing a good job so far. I mean, I have faith that he'll turn it around because of last year, but then yeah. But I also have to I also have to say that Washington did have the beneficiary of playing against. Whoever backed up Joe Burrow because that that was the game he got hurt. Ben DiNucci, um, 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 Garoppolo's back. Nick Mullins, Nick Mullins. Yeah. And um, and whoever replaced and whoever and whoever whoever replaced um, 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 the Eagles starting quarterback in that last game. Um, um replaced Hurts. Yeah, replaced Hurts in that last game. It wasn't Gardner Mitchell? Sunfeld, Sunfeld, Sunfeld. Oh, Sunfeld. Sunfeld. Nate Sunfeld. So, so they had a beneficiary of playing against bad quarterbacks. Now, at the same time, they played really well against Ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. They played really they, well against Tom Brady in they, the playoffs. They played play well against Tom Brady in the playoffs, and they played well against Russell West, Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. So, they can do it. They just have to get better. Now, I'll go quick with the offensive special teams because I don't really have much to say about them. The offense looks... Better than I thought. Okay. They, they do. I mean, Taylor Heineke is playing really well. I was not surprised by that. Um, he looked comfortable. Yeah. Um, granted, when he played against the Bills, he threw a lot of picks, but... There's going to be a lot of teams that do that against the Bills. Yeah, yeah. But he played, but he plays pretty well. Um, Antonio Gibson and um, J.D. McKissick are still a really good one-two, bat, one-two punch. I wish Curtis Samuel stays healthy. Because I think him, because him and McLaurin playing together against the Falcons was mm-hmm. awesome, especially since there are times that they're actually focusing on Curtis Samuel because of what he does, and then you see Terry McLaurin just unleash the yeah. reason why he's a top five wide receiver in the league. Yeah, and in the line, they're playing so good, mm-hmm. especially run blocking. Yeah, a lot of them are right in the top according to like grades and stuff that I'm like seeing. Like PFF and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. run blocking. They yeah. can block. Yeah. And they can pass block too. Granted, yes, our right tackle Sam Cosby needs to work, but they can pass block. Yeah. And I will say this, it was a cover sack that got Fitzpatrick hurt. Not the fact that Charles Leno messed up and got him hurt. Special teams cut Dustin Hopkins. <laughs> and um, I've seen you and, say that a couple of times. And... And um, and I love our kick returner, and Tressways is a really good punter. That's it for me. Tress, and, Tress and I'm not su- and I'm not surprised. Washington's two and two right now. I'll say this: first of all, you got problems with defensive coordinator. You can have ours. I don't want yours. You can have. We can switch. I don't want yours. You can have him. That's a perfect segue into my my takeaways from my Seattle Seahawks. You know, when the season started, I thought we had one of the one of the more underrated off seasons, mostly because we traded a fifth round pick for Gabe Jackson, who's a respectable, you know, veteran guard who's, you know, I think he's only like twenty eight years old. Um, we Damian Lewis, who was a very, really good guard as a mm-hmm. rookie last year, gets another year under his belt. All right. Um, 
We what else did we do? Uh, we paid Jamal Adams. We paid Jamal Adams. We paid Jamal Adams. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, we um, paid Jamal Adams. Uh, we drafted uh, Dwayne Eskridge, who was a very, very electric and really good uh, wide receiver in college. Um, and, and him being the third option for Russell Wilson, getting him some speed, getting him somebody that's reliable in those bootlegs was somebody that was going to be really exciting to work with. Um, I know we let Shaq Griffin walk, but Shaq Griffin was was due for a decent contract because he's played decently, but he is not a very decent player. Like, um, he's, he's, he's all right. He's really not that great. Um, uh, but, you know, we got Akella Witherspoon, traded him for a future pick because we ended up getting Sidney Jones. I thought we had we made some good moves. I really believed that we had Super Bowl aspirations uh, this year because... We got an offensive coordinator in Shane Waldron who was underneath of um, Sean McVay and he was going to bring that creativity back to the offense and it was going to make the Seahawks more excitable instead of just doing run, run, punt, pass, run, run, punt, pass, run, run, occasional, like take a shot, punt, punt, pass. Brian Schottenheimer was not a good coordinator, and before Brian Schottenheimer was a coordinator, I think somebody's because they when we hired him, they said that the highest offense that Brian Schottenheimer had ever had, ever had was like ninth overall, because he's just not a very like creative offensive coordinator, and somehow because Russell Wilson was amazing is amazing, got himself to four thousand yards and forty passing touchdowns, and then halfway through the season, Brian Schottenheimer forgot that he could change his playbook a little bit so that the two the cover two high safety look wasn't just having Russell Wilson ready to take a sack every other day mm-hmm. or throw a pick. So that's where I thought we were going to be coming into the season. Fire Ken Norton Jr. I will say this again in case you didn't hear me. Fire Ken Norton Jr. RJ's dog's looking at me like I'm crazy right now, but he needs to understand we need to fire Ken Norton Jr. There is no way in hell that you have Carlos Dunlap, Kerry Hyder, um, Puna Ford, who was playing really good last year, Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams. I'm going to continue to say his name three times. Um, you have Bobby Wagner, one of the, who's I think is still the best linebacker in the game. You've got a Quandre Diggs, who had five picks last year and went to his first Pro Bowl. That's to me the. There's no way you have that much talent. Jordan Brooks was a first round pick last year and played decently well. He was stepping in. Daryl Taylor uh, is uh, filling in for KJ Wright's role and through four games has. Uh, Four sacks, I'm pretty sure. There should be no reason why you guys are last. There is no reason why we are last in defense, and I will tell you why we're last in defense. Because for those of you that don't know, a little bit of trivia, I'm pretty sure he when it, it was the Cowboys, Ken Norton Jr. was their linebacker on one of those Cowboys Super Bowl winning teams. I think he won a couple of them with the Cowboys during that, like, during that dynasty that they had. Mm-hmm. Ken Norton Jr. was their linebacker. He's been our linebacker's coach. For a, for a pretty long time. The Seahawks don't chase talent. They just kind of like promote internally. That's why whenever, you know, the offensive line needs help, they never go out and spend a bunch of money on offensive line. They draft somebody in the fourth round and wait for him to develop after three years and then realize, oh crap, we face Chandler Jones and Aaron Donald every year. He makes great offensive linemen look mediocre. So our average offensive linemen look terrible. 
Um, the problem is Ken Norton Jr., because he was a linebacker coach, because he was a linebacker on the Super Bowl winning team, he runs our defense like a team of linebackers. He has our corners lined up 15 yards off of receivers. You know who else does that? Linebackers. Linebackers do that because they can't cover the speed. Um, you know, you have Carlos Dunlap, a defensive end, a career like a career acceptable defensive. He's had a great career as a defensive end. Why is he dropping back into coverage? Why is he dropping back into coverage? Reminds, Jam- it reminds me of Washington's old um, defensive coordinator, Greg Minuski, having um, our defensive lineman dropping up coverage. Like what? Like what are you doing? You know. And and Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams. Listen, Blitz Boy. All right. I understand he's blitz boy, and I understand he's not that great at coverage. I understand he was better at coverage uh, back at um, in on the Jets. The reason why I think Jamal Adams is not making the impact that he should be making is because he's on the wrong side of the field all the time. Everybody that we've been facing has been doing all their plays away from Jamal Adams, which is why he hasn't gotten his sacks. But at the same time, they have not been playing him in in the box. You guys traded two first-rounders for him? Two first-rounders and a third, and we got rid of Bradley McDougal, who, in the two years he was in Seattle, had three picks in both of those years. The Rams did the same thing with Jalen Ramsey, and their defense is awesome. It's, their defense is amazing, and you know why? Because they have somebody that knows how to use it. Now, their defense is a little bit worse this year than it was last year because they, they uh, changed off defensive coordinators. I'm pretty sure that's um the, the, the guy who's the head coach of the... Oh, the Chargers, Chargers. Now, yeah. yeah. Brandon Staley yeah, yeah. is... Yeah, so that they're a little bit worse. Actually, but, yeah, it is because their offensive coordinator is Kevin O'Connell. Mm-hmm. And that's why. But Ken Norton Jr. is the is the reason why Seahawks are the first team in NFL history to give up 450 plus yards in five straight games. Did you know that? In, I think it was last game we held Matthew Stafford to like 65 passing yards and like maybe like 45 running yards. And then in the second half alone, they went off for 360 yards of total offense in the second half alone. This is being recorded two days after that Thursday night game, by the way. I'm hurting right now, so you guys got to just kind of deal with me for a little bit, all right? Our defense is trash because we have a trash defensive coordinator. And everybody is saying, fire Pete Carroll. It's Pete Carroll's fault. I don't think it's Pete Carroll's fault, and I will tell you why. Because, do you know how many teams pray to the football gods to have 10 years of stability? 10 years of 10 win games? And everybody says, oh, that's Russell Wilson. I don't think that's true. It's one of those things where the two of them are good because they know like how to work together with some of those other pieces that they have. But I understand that it's Pete Carroll's offense and it's Pete Carroll's philosophy but that's why you see adjustments being made. Pete Carroll can only adjust so much. The defensive coordinator has to be able to call a good game. That's why every single game this week, this season, every single game, the, for the first five games of this season, the players in their interviews have literally been saying, they're like, why are you guys getting carved up so much? And the players are like, I don't know. They're out scheming us. They're out scheming us. We're having trouble communicating the scheme. We can't seem to figure out the scheme. The scheme seems to be working against us. Hmm, I wonder who sets the scheme. Ken Norton Jr. Stop dropping Carlos Dunlap back into coverage. Put Jamal Adams in the box. You, do you know who Ryan Neal is? I don't. Ryan Neal stepped in for Jamal Adams when he got hurt last year and he broke his finger. In two games that he played, he had two interceptions in back-to-back weeks. 
It was a game-sealing interception against the Cowboys, and then he picked off Ryan Fitzpatrick the next year. This year, last game, not this game that we just played in the Rams because Ryan Neal wasn't on the field, but whoever, I forgot who we played last week. Um, oh, the 49ers. One of the reasons why we won that game is because Ryan Neal, in his like 25 snaps, got three defensive down stops from the safety position. He batted away two passes. He, uh, he, he, got, he didn't get a sack, but he caused a sack because he was playing in the box and got pressure. Why is Ryan Neal not playing? Sure, Jamal Adams doesn't need to cover all the time, but you have another safety that can. That's not Quandre Diggs. You can put Jamal Adams in the box, have Ryan Neal play a typical strong safety position, and let Quandre Diggs hunt the ball. That's what a smart defensive coordinator would do, but that's not what ours does. So... In conclusion for this defensive rant, the main reason why our defense is trash is because our defensive coordinator plays our entire team like a team of linebackers. That's why he has corners lining up 15 yards off the ball. That's why he has defensive linemen dropping back into coverage that have never done that a day in their life ever. That's why he doesn't know how to use Jamal Adams because the play goes away from every play. So... That's my rant on defense. And the team will not get better until either Pete Carroll puts his foot on Ken Norton Jr.'s neck and say, look, you got to get better in the next game or two. Otherwise, we're not going to make the playoffs. Or Ken Norton Jr. like let somebody else take over for the play calling. Now for the offense. I don't actually have a lot of problems with the offense. Dark times now that Wilson's hurt. Uh, yeah, a little bit. But I, I, I'll, I'll say this in, 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 in the same token of what you're mm-hmm. saying. I'm not mad at the offense. Even though the defense, the offensive line has been struggling a little bit, they actually have looked pretty damn good. Half of the sacks that R- Russell Wilson has gotten this year has been because he's been holding on to the ball. And if you look at the numbers, he really has not been sacked that many times this year. He's been getting that rid of the ball quicker. That's because offensive coordinator Shane Waldron, who used to be under Sean McVay, he brought a little more creativity and he makes adjustments. Let's say that DK Metcalf doesn't get the ball because they're focusing on Tyler Lockett. When they start focusing on Tyler Lockett, he starts throwing to DK Metcalf or he's running jet sweeps to Freddie Swain. DK Metcalf is running shorter routes instead of saying, hey, you're Andre Johnson, go run down the field and see if you can catch the ball like Brian Schottenheimer. So the offense has been doing pretty good. Now, Russell Wilson is hurt. And for the first time in his 10-year career, he's not going to start a game. I remember back in like 2016 or 18. I think it was 2017 or something like that. The 49ers like stepped on his knee while he was twisting out and he like sprained the joints in his knee. He still didn't miss those next three weeks. And for the the first week after that injury happened because he still didn't come out the game, he couldn't run. He was standing in the pocket and taking sack because he couldn't run. The second game, he could move around a little bit, but you could tell he was still hurt. And he kept doing that until he got back to being fully healthy. Russell Wilson, tough. Geno Smith did not look bad. He led a 98-yard drive to score against the Rams. He went 5-for-5 for like 70 yards or whatever. He found the receivers on time. When the pocket was breaking down, he ran a little bit. The reason why he threw that game-losing pick is because Tyler Lockett got tripped while he was running across the field, and as soon as he threw it, Tyler Lockett, he threw the ball, and Tyler Lockett tripped while the ball was in the air. Tyler Lockett tripped. Smart defensive players pick the ball off when it's freely in the air. That's how that happened. But I'm pretty confident that we're going to be okay. Our next games against the ne- our next three games is the Saints, the Jaguars, and the Steelers. Um, and then we have a bye week. 
Russell Wilson had his surgery literally that day. They said, oh, he hurt his, he hurt his hand on Thursday. He's going to go see a specialist on Friday to see what's really going on. He had the surgery on Friday. He went into the doctor's office and said, let me get an x-ray. He said, oh, it's not a fracture, but you're going to need, set it up. I need the surgery now. Yeah. That's what Russell Wilson did. Three weeks or four weeks to recover for a six to eight week injury. We already know Russell Wilson is very, very good at recovery. We already know that Russell Wilson takes very, very good care of his it's body. supposed to be a six to eight recovery time. I doubt or I doubt he's going to be gone that long. I don't. I don't think he's going to be gone that long because he was still throwing the ball even while his finger was dislocated. I guess and stuff. he. I guess the, he just couldn't take the pain from gripping it. Yeah, you know he. You know, obviously, there's a difference between being able to throw the ball and being able to really rip the ball. Yeah. So you know, he was he was able to throw it. They showed him throwing it on the sidelines, but we've got three weak opponents. I'd say you know of those three teams, I think that the Saints could beat us. I don't think the Jaguars could beat us. I don't think the Steelers can beat us unless the defense absolutely. Like craps the bed, and then we have a bye week before the Packers, and Russell Wilson knows how heavy the rivalry with the Packers is. So I think that even if Russell Wilson's not a hundred percent, even if he's like ninety percent, but if he can still throw that ball, he's gonna grit his teeth and come out and play. Mm-hmm. So offense, no complaints. We're doing all right. Now that we've kind of now that we uh, oh, and Michael wrong. Dixon is the best punter of all time. I mean, a double punt? What was that? <laughs> I didn't even know you were allowed to do that. And I mean, they threw the flag. People thought it was because of the double punt. No, they're just wondering if he was on the, he was just on the, like, over the line or not. See, but he was ahead of the line. He was. He was, he was but this, you know, that was just a crazy, I thought he was going to run it, but. I thought too. It's okay. I was, I was like, all right, I'm not mad at the punt either because you pinned them inside of the 10. Because I don't even think the returner knew he was going to punt it. Yeah, I don't think anyone did. Because the returner had to run back to get the ball. And it yeah. stopped inside of the 10. So, mm-hmm. now that we've kind of ranted about our teams, we can go ahead and breeze through the rest of this episode. So, early surprises of... Or, oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm already there. I'll cut that out. Um, what take did you have that is starting to get cold? Like, what's a, what's a take that you had at the beginning of the season... That now, four weeks in, four and a half weeks in, is looking like it's getting colder. I can start out if you if you like. You go. Okay. I thought the Texans' run game was going to be dominant because you got David Johnson, you've got Mark Ingram, and you've got Philip Lindsay. I thought the Texans' run game was going to be the best in the league because that's a respectable three running back monster. They're average. <laughs> I thought the Cardinals. I thought the Cardinals were extremely overrated last year. I thought this year they were going to be a quarter in. I thought they were going to be the last team in the division, and they're definitely number one right now. I don't think they're going to stay there, but I got to put respect where it's due. Um, and I thought Washington's defense was going to be the best in the league because, I like I said, all, I think we all did, and I didn't want to mention that. That's because, <laughs> like, like we said, they traded out Ronald Darby. For William Jackson, which is absolutely an upgrade. Yeah. That defense is still getting better. Chase Young was a rookie last year. You expect second-year players to get better building on a strong first year. And did they, they put somebody else in that defense that wasn't there last year, right? They, traded, they drafted Jamin Davis. Yeah. And then that's basically it. I mean, um, 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 Bobby McCain is new too, but he's not a starter. Oh, okay. But he does play a but lot. Yeah. I thought that defense was literally going to be dominant. They seemed, I mean... 
Yeah. It's get, those are my takes that are starting to get cold. Do you have any takes that you had at the beginning of the year that's look like that's looking like it's getting a little cold? Like you might have to throw it in the microwave soon. Um. So, <laughs> how I thought the NFC West is how I thought the NFC West is going to be is getting cold. What did you think it was going to be? I thought it was going to be 49ers, Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals. Now you knew better than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. <laughs> but now, now it's looking like the Seahawks is going to finish last because of now you know better than that. You know and we then, are not finishing last. It looks like it right now, and and that also and it also depends on Wilson's injury. Um, and uh, and the Forty ers I mean, they're starting Trey Lance now, so I don't, I don't know how it's going to be for them. That's not going to go well. That yeah, I don't know. And the Cardinals are looking really, really good. So I'll, I'll take that too. And another cold take I have is earlier when I said when I was surprised about the Colts, I thought I actually thought they're going to be good. I thought oh, you thought they were going to be. Yeah, good. I thought they're going to be good because their defense is really good. Mm-hmm. And then they had a Carson Wentz, another year of Jonathan Taylor. I mean, an, a, a extra a, another year with Michael Pittman coming in, and yeah, I thought they're going to be good. I understand that. Those are some good. Starting to get cold takes. Yeah. Now, when I say they're starting to get gold, it, it, it's only a quarter of the way through the season. They These takes could absolutely turn around. Plus, with them adding another game, who knows how the year's going to end. But Also, I think the Broncos just had a really good start. The reason why, the re, I still think oh, they're going to they end up, I, they, I think they're going to end up finishing where I think they're going to finish, which is third or fourth in the division. Yeah, I, that it, division yeah, is yeah, yeah. so tough. Uh, I know the Chiefs are two and two, but I think they're gonna be, go back up finishing first. Yeah, um, and the, the Raiders. The, the Raiders are good, starting out really well, but I but they did the same thing last year. Yeah, so I'm not gonna hold my breath. Okay, the Chargers look really good. I thought there's gonna be a second year progress, progression, but Justin Herbert looks like an MVP right now. Dude, Justin Herbert looks so good. So so they might actually finish second, but but enough of freezing cold takes. Um, what's your um, most surprising good team and bad teams? My most surprising good team? I, I kind of put two because it's hard to really pinpoint that. But my yeah. most surprising good team is the Bengals and the Chargers. Because we already talked about the Bengals. There was no way we were expecting them to look this good. We expected some progress, but mm-hmm. they look like... A competent team in that division. Now they haven't. The division games have not really been going that much yet. Other than the NFC West. I don't see, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, the NFL saw the NFC West and was like, "Yeah, we're gonna milk these primetime games." Yeah. But and then the Chargers. Uh, I not that I expected regression from Justin Herbert. I just thought that they had way more holes than they do. I was a really big fan of Anthony Lynn, but I guess the way they're playing right now, it's looking like I guess letting him go was the right decision plus they replaced anthony lynn with the number one defense last year the defensive coordinator that led that so yeah the the chargers is chargers and the Bengals. now as far as my most surprising bad team i actually only have one it was the giants now i'm not a closet giants fan but they got a lot of talent on that team even on defense leonard williams uh dexter lawrence Blake Martinez, Lorenzo Carter, um, uh, their corners are, are okay. And uh, Jabril Peppers was playing pretty good last year. And then on offense, 
you know, I know their line is not like super great, but it's not super bad. I expected Daniel Jones to to get some progress. They spent a lot of money at wide receiver, getting Kenny Galladay and mm-hmm. um, uh, and they drafted Kadarius. And Tony. they drafted Kadarius Tony, and Saquon was healthy. I really mm-hmm. expected the Giants, especially in a, in a, in an NFC East that's got a lot of teams still figuring stuff out. Like, the Eagles still figuring stuff out. Not that I really... I thought... I mean, I would have taken that as a split against Washington. I still think the Cowboys are a little overrated. It, they they got to show me a little more. Um, but, yeah, I didn't expect the Giants to be as, as terrible as they look. They look like they're, they're trying to get a top five pick this year. Mm-hmm. And it looks like they might be getting a quarterback. If they're smart and they do end up being bad, you trade Daniel Jones for a first or second round pick and you... Get a new quarterback. One quarterback that I would mention, Desmond Ritter. Okay. Now, my most surprising good team, there's a lot of choices you can go. I, I, I immediately eliminated the Broncos and the Panthers because they played bad teams. Let's just, let's just admit to that. They played bad teams. Another, That's true. I know the Panthers played three teams that were combined winless before they played the Cowboys. That's true. And while they were tough against the Cowboys and the Bluesing, uh, so I lim- I immediately limited them. So and, and then and then I'm not going to steal your thunder with the Bengals and Chargers. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I'm okay. I'm, I'm actually am surprised they're the as of recording they're the only undefeated team. I thought because I thought um, yeah that is a little surprising. Yeah yeah the fact that they destroyed. They they destroyed um the Rams the Rams yeah and they destroyed the Rams and um they had a tough game against the Vikings that mm-hmm. ended up winning because they need to change kickers the the Vikings do um and yeah the fact that they're three and oh and their team is just clicking especially their offense Tyler Murray. And yeah, then, um, last year I thought Kyler Murray was like the most overrated player ever, but this year I'm like, dang, bro, he he got some dreads in his hair now. I gotta give him a little bit of respect. And the most surprising bad team to go with the Steelers. I thought their defense was gonna at least help them with their get with winning games. Did you and really think they were gonna be good? I thought they were gonna be good. I didn't think they I didn't. Were gonna be good I, at I, all. I I didn't see a reason why they would regress. That offense is just so horrible, though. Yeah, I didn't see the offense being this horrible, though. And it all starts with Big Ben. It's one of those things where if I was Big Ben and I'm like, I know for a fact that I'm the reason why this team is bad, I would literally take a step back. He's he's Kevin Love right now. He's the Kevin Love of the NFL. I'm sure Steelers fans have are more knowledgeable than me when it comes with... Um, with what's going on with their team, but from what I'm seeing, is the offense is being horrible and the defense being injured. Yeah, um, it it doesn't help that uh, T.J. Watt hurt his groin, and there's some yeah. other players that um got hurt too. But I mean, when your defense is on the field for most of the game, yeah, and I don't get why he constantly do swing passes on fourth down. Why? I have not seen a Steelers game. <laughs> yeah, he does constant swing passes on fourth down. Um. So um, the, the Steelers game against the Packers last week was a national televised game. Mm-hmm. However, in this area, they weren't showing that. They're showing the Ravens-Broncos game, mm-hmm. which uh, that is a topic, uh, something about that we're going to talk about in sprints later. Yeah. So um, so anyway, so. Um, and the next one, I have uh, which of the rookie quarterbacks looks the best so far to you? 
So it's very it was very hard for me to answer this question because they all look bad. They all look bad. They all look bad. So so <laughs> so the way I looked at it, I didn't look. A lot of stat people are gonna say Mac Jones. I'm not. But when I came to my thinking, it was based on how I see every quarterback because I've seen all the rookie quarterbacks. Play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I elim- I immediately eliminated Davis, Davis Mills. Mills. I don't know why Trey Lance. Anyways, Davis Davis Mills, Trey Lance, and Justin Fields. They didn't play enough for me to get an opinion. Smart. Especially especially with Justin Fields because his first game that that he played awful because um their offensive line gave up nine sacks. Yeah. Miles Garrett had half of them. Yeah. And um Matt Nagy isn't a good coach. The Bears need to fire him. They need to fire him immediately. Yeah, yeah. They should have fired him yesterday. So I <laughs> so I immediately limited those three. So I just went with Trevor Lawrence, Matt Jones, and Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. Based on how I see them, not based on stats, because stats Your eye will tell test, you like what you've watched. Yes, yeah, stats will tell you Mac Jones. Right. The eye test tell me Trevor Lawrence. I have the same answer. Yeah, he does. I, look, he's made a ton of mistakes, but the team that he's on, the teams they've played, he absolutely has looked as good as he's advertised. He makes his throws. He makes his throws on a run. He's decisive. He he knows when to run the ball. Yep. And um and Zach Wilson, I think, will be good. He just hasn't played well so far. Yeah, I he personally just don't think he has. He played really well in that overtime game against the Titans. Yeah. I will admit to that. But consistently, it's been Trevor Lawrence. It's looked like Trevor Lawrence. And it's and I know that, you know, like you said, stats people are gonna say, Oh, what? But Mac Jones by what you watching them play, Mac Jones is a system quarterback in a system that's meant for system quarterbacks. Mac Jones has two really good tight ends and some good receivers. Exactly. And, and um, he had James White, but he's hurt now. I mean, it doesn't matter. And that team is dedicated to running the football. And you've got Bill Belichick as a coach. And he has Bill Belichick as a coach. So Mac Jones was set up to play well. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put that. Zach Wilson has nothing. Trevor he Lawrence. He has a little bit. They, they, they got Corey Davis, and they drafted uh, Terrence Marshall. And um and was it Terrence Marshall that he drafted? They drafted that. They did one. not draft Terrence. Or was Marshall. it Elijah? Uh, it, was a, it was Elijah Moore, I think. Eli- yeah, but but he's barely been playing. And 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 Jamison Crowder coming back has been helpful for him. Yeah. Um, they still need a running back though. They do still need a running However, back. However, um, actually, Michael Carter, if he develops better, he can be. And um and then you have Trevor Lawrence who has talent, but something else we'll talk about in sprints. There's outside forces. Outside forces him, working uh, against him. Yeah. But the, I'm hopeful for for Trevor Lawrence because that he definitely seems like a player that they will the front office will make a lot of changes for. And it sucks that they lost DJ Chark for the rest of the year. Oh, did they? They did. I like that. D I like DJ Chark. DJ Chark 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 Chark. I like DJ Chark. Yeah. I didn't know they lost him. That sucks. Yeah, he got hurt in like one of the very first plays of that Thursday night game and Damn. Out for the year. So, yeah. In conclusion of uh, the NFL portion, it's been a fun year so far. A little bit of a surprise. I feel like the extra game is so much more important now because that 17 – or they have 17 games now instead of 16. Yeah. Because it's looking like a lot of these teams are going to be competing for that final playoff spot, those extra wild card spots. The NFL Instagram page already posted out what the – what the playoffs are going to be like if it ends if it ended 
after Monday. Mm-hmm. So ignore the Thursday night game that happened. And um, I can guarantee you half those teams won't be there by week 17. So, by week 18. You know, by week 18. Like you said, it, it always starts out that way. But yeah. it's been a great year so far. Um, and I just, I want the Texans to be better. I they Tyrod came in and looked like a good stopgap quarterback. The There was usually, and if you're a gambling people, person, you'll understand this. If you, if you gamble and you listen to this, you'll understand this. Usually the spread of an NFL game is not that high. It's yeah. usually three and a half, seven and a half, or yeah. at most ten. And a half. Yeah, the spread for the Bills Texans game was at eighteen and a half, <laughs> and the Bills covered. Yeah, they, the they Texans knew what they were doing for that one. The Texans with Davis Mills is terrible. Terrible. I don't even know why you would choose Davis Mills when Kellen Mond is there. He's rotting the bench in Minnesota because they're not benching Kirk Cousins anytime soon. No, they're not. I just that's okay. Nobody has expectations for for the Texans. And like I said, I like watching teams that have no expectations because you just you never know who's gonna pop out from them. You know. Uh, all right. So yeah, that's the NFL. That's how we're looking at. We're gonna swing over to the NBA now, and um, you know, we're gonna talk about our teams over there. You okay. know what's so sad. I don't think our t- us talking about our teams in the NBA is that much better than us talking about our teams in the NFL. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're a Washington fan. I'm a Cavs fan. Yeah, it's not, it's not really. The pain is constant, yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, my, my first point on here is how confident are you in where your team is expected to be? I'm not. You're not. No. So, like, where is your team expected to be? Well, I mean, I'm not – I mean, when I'm saying I'm not confident, I'm not confident in them doing anything, but – but I, but really, I'm hearing a lot of people saying that they're not even gonna make play in. So is that what? That's what I'm saying. Like, was your team expected as a playing team? No, or no. I'm AC? hearing. I'm hearing people saying that they're they're just gonna miss the playoffs entirely. Like, well, not what did you? No play what in. did you expect out of them? I think at least play in. At least play in, and you don't, think you're not confident they're gonna make the play in. Uh I think they can, but the first year of Wes Unsell Jr. as the coach. Which I've been advocating as a coach for Washington for years. Yeah, and 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 they have like nine new pieces on that team or something like that. Yeah, a lot of numbers, a lot of numbers. Kuzma and Caldwell Pole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so just being the team being able to gel. Oh, and um, we should have added this in the sprints, but we don't have to. Bradley Beal ain't vaccinated, so oh, we yeah, might we not can. be seeing him play some games. Oof. What's the draft class looking like? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, you guys already know I'm a Cavs fan. It's constant pain over here. But I'm more, this is the most hopeful I've been since the LeBron era. So, as far as answering the question, I'm expecting the Cavs to be a play in team. How confident am I? Let's say 75%. Because. We're at this point of this recording. We're two games in. We've we've seen two game, three games, at least I have of preseason basketball for your team, for yeah. my team. Yeah. I don't know how many Washington has played. One, one. Okay, that's a little weird. Um, but so in three games of preseason basketball, some of the things that I've noticed out of the Cavs, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley work well together. Jared Al- or Evan Mobley is absolutely the defensive force. He's like swatted a bunch of people and he's still been able to get like some lobs and stuff. Ricky Rubio 
is absolutely a fantastic stabilizing backup point guard. Um, Sexland, they'll get there. It's one of those things where in the three games I've watched out of Sexland, I don't, I haven't seen them really try. You know, like Darius Garland was passing up open layups just to try and like spread the ball around. Colin Sexton was pressing a little bit, but when you're a consistent 24 point per game scorer, it's not really much to worry about. So I, I wasn't really paying attention to them. But Ricky Rubio and, you know, for those of you that don't know, Ricky Rubio and Kevin Love played together during those really good years when Kevin Love was averaging like, or when Kevin Love was giving them like 20 and 30, you know, or 30 and 20. Ricky Rubio was his point guard. Seeing them both come off of the bench has been great. Laurie Markkinen has been hitting at least three threes every night. I'm seeing a lot of talent that a lot of people were saying is like wasn't going to work, and I'm seeing it kind of work. Now, we're only three preseason games in, and the competition's going to get harder when you're playing actual games, so I'm not going to sit here and say, oh yeah, they're a surefire for the play-in, but best case scenario, all those those pieces that they just put together in that team, because they had a sneaky good offseason. They got a backup point guard. They, they reduced Kevin Love's minutes. They're letting the young guys play. Uh, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen are working together. Evan Mobley, if he was in next year's draft, would have been the number one pick. So I'm kind of I'm 75% hopeful that they will make the play-in. And everybody was saying, oh, Jared Allen sounds so depressed when he said they're, they're only fighting for a fifth seed in two, three years. If you're looking realistically at where a team is in that point in time, if the Cavs are a consistent like five seed or four seed in two, three years, that's absolutely what you want. Because... Uh, this is something I didn't know. The Cavs, I don't know if you knew this, have the youngest, one of the youngest lineups in NBA history. Their starting lineup is an average of 21.1 years old. I did not know that. Their oldest player is Jared Allen. He's in his fifth year in the NBA. He's only 23. Evan Mobley, uh, he's either 19, he's either 20 or 19. Isaac Coral just turned 21. Uh, Colin Sexton just turned like 21 or 22. Darius Garland is still 20. So... That, that starting lineup is just so young. Now, you imagine how good they'll be when they all have four or five years of NBA under their belt. So, yeah, I'm like 75% confident that they will make the play-in tournament, especially because the East is kind of weak. Charlotte's a little overrated. Washington's still got some question marks. You know what I'm saying? The, the Pacers still got some things to figure out. You know, so. I mean, I mean the Pacers might. They could be good. The Pacers can be good if they make that Ben Simmons trade. That's true. They got the pieces. Yeah. Out of all the teams, I think out of all the teams that I'm seeing, I think they have the most like trade capital. They got a bunch of players that are on like the trade block. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Sabonis and Miles Turner make a decision. You've got Karis LeVert, Jeremy Lamb is playing decent. You've got uh, Malcolm Brogdon, who always seems to be in trade talks every single year. Yeah, They got pieces. If they really wanted to trade a first-round pick and one of those players for Ben Simmons, that would absolutely make them better. So the next one I have is, uh, what's the team you're most interested in seeing during the preseason? The now, Nets. Oh wait, the preseason? Yeah, like okay, I, we're okay. already in the preseason, but like what, like for for the entirety of preseasons, what was slash is the team that you've been most interested in seeing play? Now, the problem for me is that I don't really watch preseason. Oh, okay. But um, if I were to, if I were to, I would say the Nets. The Nets. Uh, yeah, I, I want to see the big those that big three in year two all fully healthy, seeing what they can do because we rarely saw all three of them play on the court last year. 
Rarely. That's true. So I'm the only time they did, yeah. there was only one team that really like stepped up and beat them right in the face, and that was a uh, um, uh, team in Cleveland uh, twice. But Washington beat them too. Washington too. Wow, yeah. that's that's interesting. Kyrie's not playing though. We're not even gonna get to see what the big three is gonna look like. Until yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that's a storyline I'm interested in seeing during the season. Get vaccinated, Kyrie, but that's neither here nor there. City Hall completely changed the whole basketball, like uh, the whole rule for the city, just for Kyrie Irving. Do you see that? He can only practice there. I mean, yeah, but you—they changed a City Hall rule so Kyrie Irving could play basketball. Like, yeah, that's that's very surprising to me. So, so that's why I think that it wouldn't matter if he gets vaccinated or not because they'll probably end up deciding that to to let him play. I mean, I know the Warriors would have done that for Wiggins, but he got vaccinated, so it didn't matter anyway. They wouldn't have done that for Wiggins, but you know that team has got real like championship aspirations. Yeah. So they're like, all right, look, we can risk a few more lives if it means <laughs> getting this NBA championship. Yeah, we can risk some lives. <laughs> we can get we can get a championship in Brooklyn. For me, it was uh, these two obvious answers, the Bulls and the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Both of those really, really shuffling pieces. I wanted to see what the rotations was going to look like. Now, I heard um, now with the, with the Bulls, um, that um, um, Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine combination, I've been, I've been hearing has been awesome. They destroyed us by 40 points, but that game doesn't exist in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, they destroyed somebody else last night, I think by 35. Yeah. Alex Caruso coming off the bench. Uh, when he came off the bench against the Cavs, I think he had 10 points and 10 assists. And and they was doing lob dunks to each other. Lonzo Ball last night was 7 for 9. And I think he hit four three-pointers. And one of them was like deep range. That team looks good. They look good. And a lot of people for some reason were saying, oh, they're not going to be that good. They're overrated. DeMar DeRozan, da-da-da-da. I was like, bro, are y'all crazy? Do y'all not see how good the chemistry between Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine can be? Well, here's my problem with recent NBA fans. They think that if you can't shoot, you're bad. Right. That's like, not the case. DeMar DeRozan is still a good player. Just because he can't hit threes does not mean he's a bad player. He's got decent defense. He's a mid-range guru. He's a pretty good distributor of the ball. Yes, his playmaking has improved when he was in San Antonio. Yeah. He's pretty good at playmaking. And it's like you've got a point guard in Lonzo who he's a, kind of a sniper shooter but also plays good defense. He's constantly improving. Yeah, constantly. Especially that shot. You can tell his shot formation from when he was in uh, LA, LA to, now, to now. Night and day. Yeah. And it's like people were not giving him the credit of his improvement because he was on the Pelicans. Which Zion's gonna leave anyway, but well, yeah, well that's why he keeps getting that's why he keeps getting fat. But it's like you, <laughs> but it's like you pay attention to where they are now or where he is. Uh, Lonzo Ball is now mm-hmm. absolutely it's night and day, and he plays great defense. He distributes the ball really well, and when you're a point guard distributing to another point guard like Zach Levine that shoots the three ball really well and and is as athletic athletic as they is, guys. I already I told my dad this last year. I said if they get a few more pieces, they'll be a top three seed in the East, and they did exactly that. And I'm sticking with it. I think they're going to be a top three seed in the because East. they went from embrace the rebuild to we're tired of losing. Yeah, we got to just go now. See, but that's how you do it, though. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. You 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 don't sit there and 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 just tank for four straight years and use all your. You take those picks. You go and get a superstar, and then you go convince other like stars to come play with your superstar. Because 
And looking at you, Philly, the tank process does not work. It doesn't I work. I am not a fan of tanking. I don't think it works. It's just pain. I really don't think it works. It's just pain. If, 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 you're, if it was supposed to work, then 76ers would have already won a championship. Yeah. And they've come close a couple of times, but that Ben Simmons, uh, Joel Embiid combo just never worked. And people were saying that before. They were like, the way Pe- Ben Simmons were. Was, people were. The yeah. way Ben Simmons plays, it doesn't work. The spacing's not there. And it's, if you think about it, it's kind of amazing that they were as successful as they were, even though that pairing never worked. They were still consistently in the second round, you know. Because I think because I think for that yeah. team to play well, they have to Ben Simmons has to he doesn't have to be a sniper from three, but he has to at least look at look like he's he's a he's gonna shoot it. Yeah. He doesn't even shoot. It makes him so easy to defend him. You're literally playing four against five on offense. Yeah. Because Ben Simmons isn't gonna do anything. Yeah. If he doesn't have the ball, he's not gonna do anything. That's why they got rid of Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. Because they thought for that offense to be better, for Ben Simmons to be better, they gotta always have give him the ball. That's why Ben that's that and other reasons are the reason why Jimmy Butler was gone from the team. You know what? Ben Simmons is is in our sprints. Celeste. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just come back. Yeah, we're we'll go back there. to that. We'll go back to that. We're, we're almost there. Because yeah, yeah. I, I think we both have a good take on, on that situation. All yeah. right. Um, which team to you looks primed to take a step forward in the East and the West? Not now let me say this this way, because we could sit here and be Stephen A. Smith and talk about the top teams all day long. What team looks like to you ready to take a step forward? In the East and the West, that could be play-in team to a seed team. That could be a six seed to a three seed. Like, what team just looks ready to take the next step to being competitive in in their process, not just in a championship and where they are. That could even be what's a terrible team that looks like they're ready to be average. Like, <laughs> for the East, I got the Bulls. Uh, I think they've. Im- we talked about it already. I think they improved enough that it can actually be competitive. Yep. Um, I'll also go with Miami because they really they, they I think they had the best off season out of anyone. Um, really? I think so. I think they can be a um, top one of the top teams in the East. I, I really think so. And because they got embarrassed by the Bucks, I think that because that they retooled their entire team. Um, You're gonna have to explain to me what they did, because besides the Kyle Lowry move, I can't remember what they did. They signed Kyle Lowry. Mm-hmm. They signed one of the Morris twins. I don't remember which one. Oh. They signed PJ Tucker. Oh. And th- they extended Jimmy Butler, which is probably the only thing I didn't like. And then combine all that with the they fact still that got talent and, and combine with the fact with all that all that with the fact that we got another year of Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero exactly and um Bam Adebayo and Bam Adebayo yes who's every year is, seems to be in the conversation for defensive player of the year yes with, yes with the who I think is the best on ball defender and Jimmy Butler mhm so per, oh and um they re-signed Victor Oladipo who I hope he stays healthy. Oh yeah, but if he's he does, healthy. yeah. Okay, no, I, I, I'm, I can buy into that hype a little bit. I hadn't yeah. paid. Those are all like kind of a little bit slightly underrated moves because mm-hmm. I haven't really heard anything about them. But you're right, that is a really good off season. Yeah. So, so yeah. So 
that's another team I think that can take a step up. Okay. Now for the West, the obvious answer is the Lakers. And um, yeah, you got the obvious answer to the Lakers. And then anyone else? I mean, I think I think the Rock, I think the Rockets can be really good. I think not really good, but I think they can be good enough to not be an embarrassment like they were last year. And so you're reading my mind. That's basically it for me. You you're reading my mind. For mine, I had uh, for the East, I had the Bulls and the Knicks. I think I think the Knicks had a really underrated offseason because mm-hmm. they got Kemba Walker. They brought Derrick Rose back. Emmanuel quickly is, is, is a star. Um, they did something else. I can't remember. Yeah, they did. They they had a sneaky good offseason. Um, I had the Bulls and the Knicks. The Bulls, obvious. And then in the West, I had the Lakers and the Rockets. Now, obviously the Lakers. But in the Rockets, like I said, I know they're young. But that team is fun. That team is... You go on the basketball court and you see people that... Just just hoop. They got a team of, of that. Jay Sean Tate was great last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was the other guy that was really good for them last year? They had two uh, two rookie gems last year. I can't remember who it was. Kevin Porter Jr. We miss you, Kevin. We miss you, KPJ. Um, but Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, that point guard connection looks like a match made in heaven. Like That just looks like it's going to work for years. For years, both of them are fantastic players. I was really hoping the Cavs could get Jalen Green. Um, but yeah, that team, it looks like it could be pretty fun. I also young wanna, enough. I also want to add the Warriors. Um, obviously, with Klay Thompson coming back, that will make that team um, automatically better. And then the addition of Otto Porter is a sneaky... That is a sneaky, sneaky good, good pickup. pickup yeah. Now, let me ask you this as far as the Warriors. Um... In the in the scenario where Clay Thompson doesn't start, but they have him coming off the bench, how many, what stats would you be expecting from Clay Thompson to keep them winning games if he's coming off the bench so they can just play it safe with him? Ten to twelve. Ten to twelve points off the bench. Yeah. Some good defense. Yeah. Like five assists or something like that. I mean, he's not really an assist guy. He's a catch and shoot. So I'm not going to expect him to get a lot of assists. Okay. Because that's something that's that's kind of interesting. When you have an elite player like that, but they're going to be safe with him coming off an injury, so they might just mm-hmm. have him come off the bench as a stabilizing force, what would you expect from him night after night? I would expect 15. I mean, I'm saying 10, and 10 to 12 just for on the low end mm-hmm. because I don't, I don't know how it's going to be when he comes back. And yeah. also, I don't know how many minutes he's going to play. That's that's another factor. So so that's why I'm only saying ten and twelve. Obviously, I think he can get sixteen. And if his shooting is just coming, and if his shooting just be just becomes what it was before he got hurt, I think he can average twenty in twenty minutes. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you think they're gonna push his minutes? Do you think that like even I'm talking like even end of the season? Do you think they're gonna settle him into only playing like? 15 20 minutes or think, do you think, think, think they're going to drive him like a Jordan Clarkson? I think they're going to I think they're going to push him to play as much as he can play. I think he'll eventually get back in the starting lineup. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he just come off the bench. I think he'll come back to the starting lineup eventually. That's just such an interesting situation. You've got a obvious superstar coming off of two straight years of injury. Mm-hmm. What do they do with him? They've done a decent job of building, you know? Yeah, that'd be interesting and that's unfortunately something we won't know till Probably 
November or December. Yeah, I was going to say, like, sometime into the season. Yeah. He's not going to be there for the season opener? He's he, not going to be able to play? He's, he's not playing the season opener. They said he was running and stuff. He was able to run and jump a little bit. Probably is, but they have to but they have to build that up. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. also build up his endurance and stuff. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, conditioning. You yeah. Know? Being able to run when you're coming off of injury, we know this from track and field, there's a difference between being able to, like, run and being able to, like, cut, be able to jump with power, be able to... And plus, mentally, you have to also have... the You have to have mental toughness because yeah. you got hurt. Yeah. You got hurt twice. Yeah. So just being able to get on the court and not have to think... Well, I tear my ACL again. Where I tear my Achilles again? Yeah, yeah. And and, the thing, and that's why I said it's one thing if you tore your ACL and then like you had a really big setback and tore it again. He had two completely separate injuries, mm-hmm. and he didn't. I don't know if it was on draft night or right before draft night. The when Achilles he tore, was on draft night. The Achilles. You tear your draft Achilles night. on actually, draft night. We found out. We found out it was on draft night. I don't know if it actually happened on draft night, but we found out about the news on draft night. Would they still have chosen Wiseman if he didn't tear his Achilles? Yes. Yeah? Yes. You think so? Yes. That's that's probably fair. Cause who else was there? It was it was LaMelo, Lamello, who they Wiseman. Chose. Who went number one overall? Um Anthony Edwards. Oh Anthony Edwards. I think they were talking Yeah. They might have been talking about trading back in uh, for that. They were there was a lot of talks about trading back. Okay. That's you're right though. The the Warriors are gonna be an interesting team. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh this is the last question I have for the NBA side of it. We're actually making pretty good time. Um, whose legacy is on the line this year? On the line? Whose legacy is on the line? I can answer my question if you want a better idea. Go ahead. I put Giannis. And I'll tell you two reasons. One, he just won a championship and the West seems to be ready to be a powerhouse again. And two, okay, three reasons. Two, he just won a championship being loyal and not building a super team, and he beat super teams to get it. Now he's got to face more than one super team because teams really stacked this offseason. And three, he's in the conversation for being, what, the best power forward of all time? Mm-hmm. He's in the conversation already as the best power forward of all time. So to me, his legacy is on the line because if he has one more, if he has one more dominant year, Maybe not win the championship, but if he has one more like dominant year and gets them to the Eastern Conference Finals or whatever, he will be known as the best power forward of all time. So that's why I said his, I think his legacy is on the line because you just won a championship. Now there's more super teams, and you're already being talked about as one of the as the best power forward of all time. And everybody said the same thing. He really needs like one more dominant year. If he gets one more MVP or one more defensive player of the year. He will be the best power forward of all time. So, in that regard, what's who's one player that you think whose legacy is on the line? Based on like the situation and everything. Well, the well, one thing I was thinking about is there would be people who would probably answer this question as Luca. I'm not going to because I think that's oh, really? unfair. I, I can see some people actually doing that. I, it's unfair for someone that young to already be like, well, his legacy's on the line because what Tra- what Trey Young did, and people are saying that they lost the, the that people are saying lost that they lost the draft day the, trade. No, well, they, well, that the Mavs that the Hawks lost a draft day trade, but mm-hmm. the Hawks made it further than than the Mavericks. Yeah, and then you, and then you can also go Zion, but I'm not going to do that either because people can say, well, Zion's supposed to be this undisputed best player in the league, and then. Oh, in his draft class, you have yeah. John Morant make the playoffs for him. Yeah. 
So I'm not going to go to any younger guys. I'm going to go with an older guy. And I don't, I'm not necessarily too sure if his legacy is on the line here. But I do think that he needs a championship soon or else. Mm-hmm. And I would go, I have, one, I have two people in mind already. Because I think they both need a championship. Mm-hmm. And one has a chance. The other one, I'm not too sure. He had that chance, but lost it. Chris Paul uh-huh. and Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, as, really? not, not necessarily so much with Carmelo. Uh-huh. Because he's a role player at this point. Right. But so much more of Chris Paul. We all know who he is. He, he, is the, he, he is known as the point god. I call him the point god all the time. He's amazing. But what does he want to be known as? Yeah. A guy that that can raise a team up but can't have him win a championship whatsoever? Or does he actually want to win that championship? Last year should not have been his first year ever playing a championship game. They shouldn't have. He should have been there with the Clippers. He had plenty of chances with the Clippers. Yeah. And then the one time with the Rockets. Yeah. Oh, absolutely with the Rockets. Yeah. One of the, I think, what is that, the only team that came, like, Closest to beating the, beating the, the beating the, that Warriors team, yeah, yeah, and they lost it because of his because injury. He got hurt, but I think Chris Paul needs a championship in order to solidify his legacy. Let me ask you this, because I mean, I, I just I'm gonna dive headfirst into it because of last year's championship. I've heard so many people saying, "Where does Chris Paul rank in the all-time point guard list?" And that's really really interesting because if you just look at stats and like his impact on the game. He's absolutely like way way up there, but I feel like him more than any other player is is absolutely held back for not having a championship. Yeah, and he's gonna be in the same conversation as Steve Nash. Yeah, I mean, if you actually think about the top five top five all time point guards, I'm not gonna name them in order because that's subjective. Yeah, but but you got you got Steph Curry, you got Isaiah Thomas, you got Magic Johnson. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, and then and then I'm sure I can name two other people if I try hard enough. Yeah, but. What do if they all he, have in common? <laughs> but if he, yeah, what do they all have in common? If he wants to be in that top five, he has to win a ring. Yeah, he has to win a ring. That's why I think it's so interesting because, like, when you look at like all the great, great, great point guards all time, he is borderline top five. He's mm-hmm. in a lot of people's top five. You know, I, I would have to sit down and look at a list to see if he's in mine, but he's he's right right there. It's like. He he, more than any other player, I think, is held back by the fact that he doesn't have a ring. Can yeah. you think of any other player whose like legacy is really held back as much as his for not having a ring? I can't. It used to be, uh, I mean, not as much, but it used to be Kyle Lowry mm-hmm. for a large in large part because he was such a stable to that Raptors team for so so long. Yeah, but she, but I I can't think of another player who was held back. It was a it would have been Giannis. But everybody understood Giannis is still young, but his legacy was starting to get held back. I guess it's... Oh, I also want to answer that. Oh, keep going, keep going. Well, I'll I'll just say this and I'll let you go. Uh, Great players that you already know are going to be all-time greats Mm -hmm. are players that you're expecting to have a ring. It's like, oh, this person's one of the greatest at this all-time? How many rings does he have? So that's why I say Chris Ball is held back because he is known as one of the greatest point guards of all time, which is the most important position in basketball, but you don't have a ring. Dame's also someone whose legacy could be on the line. Ooh, that's true. He he needs to win in Portland. 
He needs to win in Portland. That's true. I don't know how he will do it, but he has to win in Portland. Does he yeah. really want people like, like, does he real like? Does people really want to think of him as someone with literally no achievements? Yeah. Other than All Star games, because if you actually think about it, what has he done? You're right. My my follow up question would be. Let's say they didn't get a championship, but he won MVP. Would that like would that like soften his legacy a little bit? It would soften because he won an MVP. But, but like you're right, I, he but, won. Did he win Rookie of the Year? I think he did. I think he did. He won Rookie of the Year. I think, and since then, nothing. Nothing. He he literally hasn't won anything. No awards. He took that team to the Western uh, Conference Finals, but. Nobody was beating that Warriors team. No one was beating that Warriors team, no. But you're right. That's a really good answer because, like you said, like we just said, if he won an MVP or if he won a Defense Player of the Year or something like that, that would soften his legacy. Mm-hmm. He's not young anymore. What is he, 30 or 31? He's in his 30s now. He's in his 30s now. He's in his prime. He's playing like he's in his prime. Mm-hmm. That team last year was super talented, underrated. Carmelo, Anthony Simons was playing really good. Robert Covington was really good. Nurkic was really good. They had a lot of talent. Who did they lose to? They lost to the the, the Nuggets. They shouldn't have lost that series. They shouldn't because the Nuggets were injured. They had no backcourt. None. You lost to, granted, I mean, Jokic. But yes, they had Jokic. They had Michael Porter but, Jr. But they had Compazzo. Like, he had a starting backcourt of Frank Capazzo and Austin Rivers. Like, there's I, against CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. CJ and Dame. I would take CJ and Dame over Capazzo and Austin Rivers. They should any lost day of the week. Any day, any day, and and everybody knows it. I it's got to be a Demar Derozan type of move, like. Portland is not going to win a championship until they trade CJ McCollum and some and all these other assets for a superstar to put next to Dame. That it's got to go down like that. It has to. Yeah, they they got to they got to make a trade. They, they have, have to. Make a to. Trade. They have to. Which ask me let me ask this follow-up question cuz I'm partly I'm a Trailblazers fan so I got to know. CJ McCollum, you're putting your picks, you're putting players in. What superstar are you putting next to Damian Lillard that is going to have the Kawhi-like impact? Well, I can, I can... Is it going to be Ben Simmons? I can see Ben Simmons being a good player for them. Um, I can see um, if they want to trade for Bradley Beal, that can be another good player for them. I'm thinking about players that probably would end up leaving anyway. I'm not just going to... Because obviously they can add in any superstar player and they can move all the way. Well, but some, someone that is going to be traded, um, they can... Um, they can see if Car Anthony Towns is available and try to trade for him. Well, um, that's that would have been my answer, Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is the number one player that I think, if they were to put CJ McCollum and assets on the trade block and traded a player to get a superstar that is going to immediately make them contenders, mm-hmm. it would be Bradley Beal. It would be Bradley Beal. Ben Simmons would be close, but I think Bradley Beal in that Portland scoring system would have absolutely way bigger of an impact. Yeah. yeah but yeah. Those, that's a good answer, though. Legacy on the line. I said Giannis. You said Chris Paul slash Carmelo Anthony. Is there anything you want to say about Carmelo Anthony's legacy about it? Not necessarily. I just think that he needs to win a ring. Yeah, I think so. He, I mean, they both came out. They was comparing Carmelo to LeBron, you know? Yeah, no. I mean... 
the way he was playing earlier in his career. I mean, if he would have led that Denver Nuggets to a championship, then yes. But the thing is, Jokic is wearing Carmelo Anthony's old number. Oh, Lord. So they're obviously not going to retire that number. Yeah. <laughs> and if they MVP. do, and if they do, it's not because of Carmelo. Carmelo. It's because yeah. of Jokic. I like it. All right. So now we're moving on to, uh, we're going to the sprints. The sprints is, uh, we're going to kind of just talk about some uh, storylines that are in the sports world right now and uh, give some give some really quick, brief thoughts on it. And uh, you want to start us off? Yeah, we got um. So last so last Sunday Sunday night football. I don't think everyone's heard of it. I mean, they've been we've been talked. It's been talked about in the media all week. It was um, Brady returning to Foxborough to play the play the Patriots and Bill Belichick and just that um and just how that game went and um the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ended up beating the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I expected the Bucks to win and they won. I had no thoughts on it. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. <laughs> like I didn't think so either. And um, it was raining. It was a cold game. He was um, a rookie it, quarterback. Yeah, and it ended on a um, missed fifty-six yard field goal. The only thought I have on it is I'm surprised it was close. I am too. That's it. Granted, Gronk is hurt. And did Antonio Brown play? Yeah, he did play. He did play. So. Yeah, that's. So the next, yeah, <laughs> really not many thoughts on that one. Yeah, yeah, and um, the Bucks defense, even though they did contain um, Mac Jones and that Patriots offense, yeah, they're not that good as they were last year. Right. The next one we got on here, Vic Vangio and John Harbaugh's feud. So this is uh, for those of you that don't know, um, the Ravens have like the longest streak. They have like forty-two straight games of a hundred rushing yards, and they were like. I guess four or five yards short. They're three yard. They're three yards short. Three yards short at the end of the Broncos game. So John Harbaugh called like an end of the game run so they can get those three yards. And Vic uh, Vangio said at the end of it that it was bullshit and that it show it's not surprising because they care more about their like stats and records than they do about player safety, which I thought was. A pretty terrible thing to say, considering they've just had like four players get season-ending injuries. So for you to say something like that is kind of whack. But what'd you think? Um, you play sixty minutes, and that's what they did. Um, if you cared that much about um, player safety, Vic Vangio, why'd you try to? Why'd you try so hard with with Drew Block as a quarterback? Because <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater got hurt to go try to go down the field to score just to get picked off. Is oh, he, he, cared, quit, he tried. We wanted Teddy Bridgewater to. No, 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 no. Um, they were not gonna win. Okay. And if oh, cared, yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah. were not gonna win. And so they, if they care, so if you cared that much about player safety, why'd you try? Why'd you go do that? Why couldn't you just end the game right there? Oh, he. Oh, he really. Yeah, I saw that. He really, really wanted to score that last time. Yeah. So. Um, and what I, did John Harbaugh say at the end of it? He said, "Oh, I was unaware that there was a uh, a seventeen point scoring play or something like that." Yeah. Yeah. So if you so if you really cared about player safety, you would have just ended the game right there. And um, and players, I, I don't know why people say this, but players do care about records. Yeah, they I do. I mean, I mean, um, I went to the Washington Ravens preseason game, and um, I can tell they cared about having that longest preseason winning streak. Yeah. So they do care. Yeah. Don't say they don't care. Right. You got the next one. Yep. Ben Simmons still has no updates about him getting traded. 
Joel Embiid made some comments in the media recently, basically talking about how it's insulting about what Ben Simmons has done because basically they constructed the team around him. And he uh, also they, said they made a mistake for trading Jimmy Butler for him. Yes, and um, there's no wrong for that. Ben, Joel Embiid's Joel Embiid's right. He's right. I mean, it, it, the only surprising thing is that he was honest about it. Okay, but it's not like he's wrong. And and the fact that Ben Simmons rather not get paid because he lost out on a pretty big payday, just so he cannot get so it's just so he can get traded. I think they should have. I think they should have tried hard with that Harden trade because they're not getting a package like that ever again. Probably not. And I'm sure right now they could really like really would love to have it if Harden was on that team right now with Seth Curry and um and all the Danny Green those other players they would immediately be uh mm-hmm. in championship. Let me tell you, uh, I actually think that his comments was kind of whack, and I'll tell you why. Because Embiid spent a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of time being hurt. And while he was hurt for a lot, a lot, a lot of that time, Ben Simmons was holding that team down and keeping them winning. So I I was like, it's kind of ironic to me that Joel Embiid is having the unavailable conversation, especially because you just said, oh, we want him here. We're trying to reach out. And he doesn't want to be here, da, 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 da. Especially because you spent so much time being hurt. And while you were hurt, y'all were still winning because Ben Simmons was playing at a defensive player of the year slash like slight MVP level mm-hmm. so that's why i said that now ben simmons has no update how do you see this playing out i if this is the nfl he would he would still be there now grant now since the nba i i still i i don't know i really have no idea how this can play out because i can see the re i can see um I can see Ben Simmons getting traded, but then at the same time, I can see he's not getting traded because they want the, the 76ers wants a package for Ben Simmons. They they're just not going to get. Yeah. So will not. they give in or not? And earlier we we're talking about teams you could see Ben Simmons doing well at. Let's also keep in mind that he only wants to be in teams in California. Oh, Ben Simmons. Yeah. I don't know. He said he wanted to be in Cleveland. When did you hear that? I swear, I swear. He's he said uh, recently. I've read it a couple of different times. He said that he has a really close relationship with Darius Garland. Yeah. And um, he said that he wants to go to a team that would be like built around him. And he said that they, I guess they asked him or something. How would he feel about going to the Cavs? And he said that he would like to go to the Cavs because he knows that that team would lean on him. But you so know I've heard that, and they, the Cavs are still talking to them. But you know what team is built around Ben Simmons? The 76ers. <laughs> so. Yeah, that Ben Simmons is such an interesting thing because, like you said, they're not going to get a package. I believe the Trailblazers offered CJ McCollum and two first-round picks, and they didn't want that. They wanted three first-round picks and multiple impactful players. Or just Dame. Or just Dame. Yeah. Which I don't think Portland's going to do that. <laughs> He's not trading. They're not trading Dame. See, but They're you got to think, though, if, if, if the Portland Trailblazers did trade C.J. McCollum in two first-round picks, I think that is proper a proper package for Ben Simmons. I personally think to, to stop the distractions, because they're going to keep asking them all year, they just, they, they just should trade whatever package they can get. But you don't see him playing. I don't see him playing, no. You think he'll set the whole year and eat that much of his money? 
until they move him. Now I do. Now I did hear that he's thinking about coming back because of how much money he's going to end up losing. So in the end of the day, he might come back. Yeah. But based on what I'm seeing right now, I can see him just sitting the whole year out. It might be do. It might do more damage than good if he tries to come back and play. Because what are you coming back for? Yeah, you already talked about how much you didn't like being at the at the team. I mean, you, you can pull a James. Is gonna he, be re- you can pull a James Harden last year. Oh, and and gain a bunch of weight and play terribly for a yeah. little bit until they forced until they until he's forced out. Yeah, no, nah, but you made a good point. If the 76 could go back in time, they absolutely should have taken that James Harden uh, deal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they would have won. They probably would have won the championship. Yeah. Okay, so next thing, next thing, um, we're gonna go to um, ESPN and broadcasting. Um, so recently, Max Kellerman has left First Take specifically because um, 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 Stephen A. Smith didn't want him there. Yeah, and basically ever since the split, I haven't watched a single episode since. But I know they've been rotating in different people, debating with Stephen A. Smith, and some people are, some people in there are good, like. Like anything with Mia Kimes, I'm gonna pay attention to because I yeah, actually like Mia her. Kimes, Mia Kimes is great. And but oh, uh, but but and then then and then sometimes with Tebow, I'll listen to because I think Tebow talking college is pretty knowledgeable. But then after that, just headaches after headaches. Like headaches I don't want to Marcus Spears. I don't want to hear Marcus Mark, Marcus Spears, Dan Orlovsky, Michael <laughs> Irvin. Yo, Dan Orlovsky is just so. Bad. He's so bad as a quarterback, and he's so bad as an analyst. So, so basically, we're gonna, we're talking about how the split is working out. They've lost a lot of ratings since. They have lost. Their and ratings you know are what? down. They, I, as it should be. They don't have a plan. They wanted Stephen A. wanted him off, and they didn't. They didn't really have a plan. Bermani Jones, who recently announced he's leaving ESPN. He's staying in Disney, but he's leaving ESPN. Mm-hmm. He, uh, I, I had to look it up because I wanted to hear why he was. I didn't really hear much of it, but but in a comment that he made, I don't know when he made it, he said that any other personality that's not Stephen A. Smith, they don't know what to do with them. Yeah. So so they're wearing Stephen A. Smith thin, which I just don't think is a good idea. I think prime Stephen A. Smith was years, years, years ago. Yeah. And while he's still entertaining now... He's just, they're just wearing him thin. Yeah. And I can see. He's more of a personality why, yeah. now than an analyst. Yeah, and I can see why he gets paid the big bucks because he's the reason why people watch. <laughs> but he, I, I don't know. I, I think ESPN has a lot of issues that they have to fix. Yeah. Um, I know, I know we're talking only about first take, but we're moving to ESPN in general. Um, ESPN does have a lot of issues. They don't. I don't think they have a direction. Um, you know, they lost a lot last year with uh, the Rachel Nichols situation. The Rachel Nichols didn't they situation. take the jump off of all? They take off. the jump off. I mean, Maria Taylor's gone now because of it. Yeah. Um, now I will say, Max Kellerman's kind of been in his bag since that split. I think. I think if there was if there was any of the shows that he would, he could have joined the jump. He could have joined um, the Mike Greenberg show or whatever. Yeah. He joined uh, Key and Will. Key, Sean Johnson, and Jay Williams, yeah. Yeah. He, that, he joined their show. And I think he has his own show, too. He does have his own show. But yeah. that that where he joined, uh, I've watched that, the Key and uh, Williams show. Mm-hmm. They they do a really good job. And they talk mostly football, obviously. But Max Kellerman, you know, it's he put himself in a position where he could be more of an analyst than a personality. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'm gonna ignore the fact that he said that his special speech with the with the with the Martians shooting and he wants <laughs> Iguodala as the final shot. I'm gonna ignore Iguodala. that. I'm gonna ignore that. <laughs> but other than that, if he's not talking about his teams, which is actually a lot of analysts to be honest, yeah, he's pretty knowledgeable. Yeah, Cullerman. He is. And um, did you hear about um? And, and I'm sorry to go off topic, but here, but did you hear about what Sage Steele said on the Jay Cutler on Jay Cutler's podcast? Mm-mm. So I'm gonna only mention thing involving ESPN. I'm gonna tell you something off air. Something else he said. Something else she said. Yeah. But but um, she said that um, ESPN has been requiring the vaccinations, and and she was uncomfortable with that. So I can see personalities leaving ESPN because of the vaccinations too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um um I mean they supposed to be vaccinated by the end of, by the end of September and there's only one person. Katie Nolan, Katie Nolan is the only person I know that's left since. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because of the vaccination or because ESPN just keeps canceling her shit. Yeah. But but um Say Steel is someone in ESPN that I don't like. <laughs> and and like I said, I'll tell you the main reason why I'll fair. Because because um, this is a sports podcast, not a political one. Yeah, and um, so ESPN, get yourself together. Yeah, get it together. Oh, and um, make Peyton Eli your main broadcast people. I haven't watched your broadcast yet. Is it that good? I think it's very good. I need to watch it because I haven't seen it yet. I'm sure they got good chemistry. They're brothers. Yeah. They they just have issues when it comes with because they're not like next to each other. I mean, Peyton lives in no sorry. Eli lives in New York, I think. Either New yeah. York or New Jersey. And Peyton lives in Denver, Colorado, so they're FaceTiming each other, so Oh, they got old man Zoom issues. Yeah, so you got stuff like that. And then when they have guests, if if they're they have to just talk because if they don't, they will get stepped on by either Peyton or Eli. Oh gosh. The next one he got on here, um, terrible refing and taunting calls. All right, I'll start with the terrible refing because, yeah. um, surprisingly enough, right before this podcast, I was just refing flat football games. So, so I feel for the refs, especially being one I, I can understand where they're coming from. There is a human aspect when it comes with making calls. You're not going to see every call. You're going to make wrong calls. You're going to make calls that you see that no one else is seeing. It is hard to be a ref. But for the NFL, where you have the press box that talks to you to help you make calls, and you can call New York to get calls. Yeah. The issues with penalties, I don't know what, what's going on. Yeah. I fully I think that I think that um I think the a lot of the good refs are are, are either on Fox, CBS, because they're the people that like if the if like if the announcers are talking about a ref, they'll call some they'll call like someone that um that knows refing. So a yeah. lot of the good refs that was in the pros, they're yeah. doing that. And they're yeah. gonna be paid a lot more and they're not gonna get scrutinized. Right. So they're already losing good refs as it is. And then the fact that I don't think that being an NFL ref is a full time job. So they're literally working whatever work day job they have and they're refing football games on Sundays. Yeah. 
I think that's a terrible idea. I think that the NFL should invest in them more. I think they should give them full, more money with benefits. Oh, and then during yeah. the week, they can look at film, just like NFL players, and see yeah. what did they mess up in. Yeah, that's a good point. I think so. I, so at that point, I think that will help improve the refing situation, these terrible calls, because they're making objectively terrible calls. Not subjective, because there are calls that are just subjective, and we can ar- and people can argue day and night about it if they're a good call or a bad call. Yeah. But they're objectively bad calls. Yeah. One that comes into my mind is the roughing the passer call that Chase Young had against Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. He, he, like, I don't know what you want Chase Young to do. Yeah. If you wrap him up and take him down, that's going to most likely be a rough in the passer. Yeah. If he did what he did, which is literally just pushed him, it got called. Yeah. What do you want him to do in that situation? Yeah. Or even the ones where, like, when they were hammering Clay Matthews. Um, yeah. When, you know, they're like, you want him to, like, hit him and then try to, like, fall to the side. These are human beings. These are grown men running full speed at each other and throwing their body at one another. Like, it's very hard to tell players to stop the momentum on a dot. Just to protect the quarterback. Right. So I personally do think that for these refing calls, they have a lot of resources to make it better. Just have to actually use it. Yeah. And refs, if you're wrong, you're wrong. Please don't stick with a call just because you called it once something and you want to stick to it because you want to be the big man here. Yeah, if they, you're wrong, you're up, wrong. They can pick up the flag, can't they? Yeah. And I'm mostly talking about also in, like, in reviews too. Yeah. Because there's something that is clearly a first down or something that's clearly this. And because they called it something they don't want to change it, they're like, yeah, we're just going to keep this. If hey, you're dude, wrong, you're wrong. <laughs> I can tell that. And Those, then, and, those and, taunting calls are just bad. And then with the taunting calls, yeah, that's... the. There was that I one get, play in preseason where the guy, like, it was a short little uh, running back... Carried like the whole defense for like five extra yards. He got up and he like flexed on the guy behind him, and they called him for a taunting. I'm like, bro, this, this dude is five nine, two hundred and twenty pounds, just carried an entire pile. I, just, I think they need to loosen it up. I understand the reason why yeah. they're throwing the flash because there are some things that people that little kids should not be seeing. Yeah, there, there really some is. of those taunts are they be unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, I get that, but 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 they have to focus on what. Is considered taunting. Yeah. If someone's spiking the ball, because Darren Waller did this, by the way. If you spike the ball, because you got a first down in an aggressive way, in an aggressive way, and they so happen to be right there, how is that taunting? Yeah. He just happened to be right there. Yeah. And I don't think that, and I think that's fine, spiking the ball away from them, but just because they're there, they're taunting? I mean, it's like it, me as a player, like because I play, you know, flag football. I play a lot of different sports. I'm like, have you ever made a big play in your life? That's one of the most exciting. You remember those moments forever. It's one of the most exciting things ever. So it's like it's third and fifteen, and and your your team is like, all right, we're gonna do what we can. We're gonna try to get this, and you come up with a sixteen yard catch. You didn't tell me you're not gonna stand up and be like, yeah, I just did that. Like I'm hype off of that. Like. And then you got to remember, a lot of these players have emotion. Emotion? Some of them doesn't come from that rich living in Car- sorry, living in California lifestyle. Right. Some of them came from nothing. Right. So having these moments is like a big deal to them. Yeah, especially when they sign that contract and knowing that after that they have to play football to keep that money. Yeah, exactly. A lot of a lot of 
their emotion comes from the fact that they're at the field with millions of fans watching them. Right. That's How? what I'd say. That's 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 what it comes down to, you know. Like I've performed in front of like maybe a hundred students at my college, and it's exhilarating. I can only imagine how it is watching you do something that you've done your whole life in front of literally millions of people who will criticize criticize you, you to the ground if you don't play well. Yeah, you know. So those those highs are like really high. I think of like. Take DJ Reed, because DJ Reed got a taunting penalty because he got a pass breakup against AJ Brown. Going into the game, all you're hearing is, "Oh, DJ Reed is five nine, AJ Brown six three, and two twenty. He's gonna he's gonna flex on or he's gonna mm-hmm. stack the points on him, stack the yards." DJ Reed gets a pass breakup. All you're thinking about in that moment is all y'all, I've, millions of people telling me that I could not stop this man from making any catches, and I'm out here doing my thing. Yeah. So you so it's a deep pass. He throws it fifty yards down the field. You get to stop on him. You make a good defensive play. You're gonna tell him you're gonna stand up and be like, Hey guys, like, no, you're gonna stand up and be like, bruh, I heard all y'all talking. This is me. Like all I'm, right. I'm with it. So Stephon Gilmore to the Panthers for a twenty twenty three six rounder. They also traded for CJ Henderson from the Jags for for Dan Arnold and another pick. And they also trade uh, they also drafted JC Horn. And they still yeah. have Dante Jackson. So that's this is the I must to say it's the Panthers getting better, yeah, getting a lot better, especially since they lost J.C. Horn. He is hurt uh, for the year. I don't know if it's for the year, but he is hurt. I think that uh, my quick thought on this is that uh, you're right. The Panthers is getting better. However, I don't see all four of those corners staying there. J.C. Horn, Dante Jackson, C.J. Henderson, and uh, Stephon Gilmore? Well, most likely, I, I don't see Stephon Gilmore staying there past this year. I think he's in his last year of his deal anyway. I think the corners will mostly just be C.J. Henderson and, and um, J.C. Horn. Really? Yeah. You don't like Dante Jackson? Wasn't he the defensive rookie of the year? When? Like two years ago? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't think it was the same year as Marshawn Lattimore, but... But I think he, he well he was recognized. But okay, I mean I mean he I mean he could be one of the corners there. So yeah, he's pretty good. Um, he did not win defensive rookie of the year. No, okay. Um, but he has been there since 2018. I know I wanted him yeah. on Seattle. All right. I mean I mean it could I mean I mean a lot most teams play with three corners so. Yeah. I could see Dante Jackson with that, that other corner there too. Yeah, and, and plus C.J. Henderson had a down year. That's just because he's in Jacksonville. Yeah. Which, speaking of Jacksonville, Urban Meyer. Hi. What, what, what's your thoughts on Urban Meyer? Um, because I don't really have. I, I'll just say this quick because I don't really know that much about Urban Meyer. I know he's a legendary college coach, but his name is always surrounded in some controversy. That's all I know about him. And I don't think he's going to last the end of the year. So, that's it. Urban Meyer got into controversy in Florida. I don't remember what exactly happened, but he got into some controversies in Florida. Granted, that Florida team had a bunch of players. That that, that whole, the 30 for 30 team, he needs a 30 for 30 on that Florida team. Because you have a team with Tim Tebow. Was that the team with Tim Tebow? The Pouncy Bros. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Hayden and um, and and um, Aaron Hernandez. Oh wow! So and and that's the name. Just a few of them. There's others too. Yeah. That entire Florida team needs a thirty for thirty. 
Um, so whatever he did, he said, I, oh, I'm sick. I'm, I, I gotta retire from coaching because it's gonna make me, it's gonna, I'm gonna die if I keep coaching. A couple <laughs> years later, he goes to or Ohio State. <laughs> and then, and then what happened in Ohio State, the guns with controversy, his assistant coach was caught, um, was caught, um, um, domestic abuse with his wife, I think. Oh, and, Lord. um, and um, Urban Meyer knew about it and reported. And that was some other things. He got suspended for a few games. Oh, wow. The same thing. Ah, I'm sick. I can't coach anymore. I'm, I'm going to die if I coach. I do remember that. I remember him saying a lot that he was, like, sick. and he. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he goes to Jacksonville. Because guess what? It's a cycle. This is what he does. <laughs> Of it, all the places, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And generally, the cycle goes: he coaches a team, they have success, controversies. Oh, I'm sick. Leaves the team, joins another team. <laughs> Except for the success part, because they're 0 4. Yeah. The cycle continues. The controversies here before the success. <laughs> yes. Urban Meyer, after the game against the Bengals, instead of flying home with the team, which is a huge issue. That is a huge issue. You're the head coach. Yeah. He decided to stay in Ohio, go to Columbus to see the grandchildren. I don't know why he couldn't just fly home and go. You make, yeah. a, lot, you make a lot of money. You can do that yourself. That's what I'm saying. You're the... yeah, okay. And then, fine, whatever. <laughs> he goes out to eat with them. Actually, I don't think it's the grandkids. I think he goes out to eat with some friends or something like that. He's enjoying himself. He goes to, I think he went to, either he went to his own bar or he ended up going to his own bar because some people, because people wanted to have to take a picture with them. Anyway, either way, he ended up in his own bar because he does have a bar in Columbus named after him. Oh. I, it's, it's, I think it's his. It's either his or it's named after him. Okay. Um, he goes there, takes some pictures with some fans, and then, um, and then um, that video you see happened. I didn't see the video. Um, so, it, it might be hard to find, but it's a video, and I saw the video, and I saw a close-up of the video, which was disgusting. Um, it was basically, a girl is grinding on him, and then his, his hands look like he was taking snaps from a quarter, from the center. That, that's, that's all I'm gonna say. It is disgusting, and the fact that all that happened... It's a lot. He um, failed his team. He failed his wife. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's rough. I heard what happened. I just did not see it. And then I have a list of things that happened. I have a list of things that happened during Urban Meyer's time in Jacksonville. Okay. And this isn't even everything. How Chris Doyer, as their team director of sports performance, mm -hmm. he was the racist in Iowa. Oh, really? Yeah, he was the guy who was known for saying racist, racist shit in Iowa. Oh, God. He, 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 was, he stood put with the hiring. The reason why he's not there now, because he, Chris Doyle resigned. Because of all that backlash. He resigned? Yeah, because of all that backlash. Signed Tim Tebow as a publicity stunt. For why? <laughs> There's no reason. Drafted Travis Etienne when they have James Robinson. Yeah. He openly admitted that um, he wanted to draft Kadarius Tony instead of Travis Etienne. 
But but got picked. But got but they picked Travis. They were better players on the board than either one of them. Yeah. He openly admitted that he would cut players because of their vaccination status. Oh yeah, I remember that one. Which the NFLPA did not take kindly to. Yeah. For some reason, he had an open competition for quarterback between Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew. Why? Why are you splitting first teams rest with your first round rookie quarterback unless you legit think that Gardner Minshew was going to do something? I like Gardner, but Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. Gardner will be good in the right system, but that was not the right system. Traded C.J. Henderson. Yeah. And he was playing decent. I don't know why they traded him. Um, team started 0-4. The controversy I just stated. And the um, fallback of the controversy when even the owner is coming out saying that you gotta regain that he has to regain their trust. How long is he how long does he have? There's no way you convince me he's gonna stay there. Now you see how they play? If they had a uh, a good coach, they'd be winning some games. Now do I think he's going to pull by Petrino and leave in the middle of the year? I can see it. But he might finish the year. Because he did actually come out to his team and apologized, and apparently everything is A-OK. But, like I said, I can also see a Bobby Petrino incident. You know for a fact that, that he only did that apology because so much pressure was put on the situation. Yeah, because apparently he did it with each individual group, training group, and they all laughed his face. So, so you got that. Oh, and by the way, fun fact. Two of the office of coaches in Jacksonville are you guys' old Seattle Seahawks. Oh, yeah. Old office coordinator. Yeah. And the guy that got, who they fired yep. for your old office coordinator. Daryl Bevel and Brian Schottenheimer. So, you really think they're going to do anything? They really think they have good coaches, and their defensive coordinator has never called plays, ever. Never called plays. So they got a lot of dysfunction in, in there. There's just a lot going on in that team. A lot going on. The, the Urban Meyer just seems like somebody that just always has dysfunction. Because a lot of those things just sound like self-inflicted wounds. Yeah, and then eventually he's going to say, oh, I'm sick. I got to leave. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't. I didn't know that. I heard. I've heard that a couple of times, saying that he like can't coach because like he's getting sick, and then he keeps getting hired as a coach. It it happened. It happened three times. No, it happened twice already. So you're waiting for it. You're just waiting for the third time. <laughs> oh man. Well, I think we've uh, we've done a pretty good job covering these things. Um, oh, last point, Seattle Mariners, guys, we're in pain, okay? I appreciate the Baltimore Orioles for really trying. They were trying, they were ruining some seasons, and the memes they were posting about it was hilarious. We fell short. The 20-year curse continues. I look, I got curious, this was a long time ago, it was like, like, maybe like three years ago, I got curious, I was like, hmm, I wonder how many world championships the, the Seattle Mariners have won. I looked it up, and it said... We're the only team in the Major League Baseball to never appear in a World Series. That's terrible. We're the only team in the Major League Baseball history to never appear in a World Series. And I saw my NAS for the championship recently, so... I was like, I was like, dang, I thought we at least won, like, <laughs> two? But, so guys, I like this format. I like this format, uh, Ronald. 
where we, you know, before we kind of, not that we were like looking for topics because there's always something to talk about in sports, but now the topics are kind of coming a little quickly. Yeah. Three, yeah. three weeks out of our last episode and we've got at this point an hour and 50 minutes of recording because so much has happened in three weeks. And the, and the thing is, we're doing this. The college football game on, and there's college stuff we can talk about. We didn't talk about college stuff. We didn't really dive into the Major League Baseball stuff because the playoffs just start. Like, By the way, I'm a Dodgers fan because um, the Nats basically blew it up, and our top pitcher, Max Serger, and um, Trey Turner, a guy I liked, is now playing for the Dodgers. So um, I'm a Dodgers oh, fan. Oh, you're a Dodgers fan. Mookie Betts. <laughs> you're a Dodgers fan. I've heard J- just for the playoffs, and then I'll go back to being the Nats once the season starts. Makes sense. All right, guys. Um, yeah, I like this format. I think we'll do our best to rotate as many topics as possible. We did NFL, NBA, and then our sprints. I think the sprints is going to be constant because, you know, we could sit here and talk about different storylines for hours on hours. But, you know, some topics are, are not worth talking about for, like, super a long time. So, but giving some quick thoughts on that stuff is still important. Yeah. You know? But, um... This has been the uh, Sprint Vision Podcast. Uh, subscribe, send in, send in some reviews. We've already got a couple in. Appreciate the support so early on. And uh, the more we settle into this, the more confident we get, the more uh, accurate we are and we're in the direction that we want to take this podcast, the more exciting it's going to be for you guys to keep up with us. So, See you all next time.